now. So uh, Mick introduced us to the new series of preachers that we're going to um, have as a church, and I'm super excited about it. I think it's going to be a well worthwhile thing to investigate. Who do you think you are? And we've already touched on it this morning, haven't we? That we have a new identity in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ today, you are a new creation. And what you think you know about that affects the way that you, you, you act it out, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so um, if, if you have a, a limited understanding of that, then it may affect the way that you um, face challenges or, um, or face good times. Um, and I think it's particularly important because in my job, I work with lots of young people who um, are looked after or adopted, and often they have a very little understanding of who they are. They come with little knowledge of their origins and where they come from and who their parents might be or their story, their life. And it causes so much trauma in their lives. And although we may not have the same kind of emotional or physical trauma, because I imagine it's not going to be all our stories. Some of us, you know, most of us here probably do know who our parents are. But we've been adopted into this new family. And if we're not securely in the knowledge, knowing who we are as people of God, then it will leave us ineffective. It could lead to a kind of spiritual trauma, if you like. And I almost think that God's going to be unpicking some of that as we go through this series. That you're going to come up against things that someone's going to say and you're going to have to reflect on it yourself. And God's going to do some work with you and unpick some of those untruths that you've been holding on to for years and years and years, perhaps. And he's going to release you from it. And he's going to equip you. He's going to bless you through these series in our pursuit of knowing who we are. Yeah. So today I'm looking at I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And the title, if you'd like to know, is called to make a difference to the society around us. So I'm looking at quite a well-known passage in Matthew, Matthew 5, 13 to 14. You are the salt of the earth, but if, a, if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but, but on a stand. And it gives light to, the whole, to, to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to God your Father who is in heaven. That's, I'm just going to pray quickly. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word has power to speak life to us. I thank you, Lord, 
that your word has authority. I thank you, Lord, that it speaks blessing to us today, that it's good to us, it's good to our bodies, it's good to our hearts, it's good to our soul. Lord, I pray that we receive that blessing this morning. Lord, I pray you'd open hearts ready to receive that blessing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start off with the first kind of bit here. I, I am the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. And I just want to point out that you are. It's not that you are becoming. It's not that in one day we're living in the hope that you will be salt. You are the salt of the earth. This is a here and now kind of thing. Something has happened to you and you've become salt. You'll look really, really happy about that fact. But let me tell you, there's a good reason to be joyful about the fact that you are salt. I did a little bit of investigating about salt. And amazingly so, there is, I heard a couple of preachers and, and um, I heard this, this fact about salt. So I, I researched it. And apparently there's a saltassociation.co.uk. So a whole like association of people who are devoted to salt. Um, but anyway, here we go. Roman soldiers were partly paid in salt. Did you know that? Everyone's going to say, yes, James, we knew that. <laughs> it was brand new news to me. Um, and it said, so it's said to be from this that we get the word soldier, salder. There we are, meaning to give salt. From the same source, we get the word salary, or salarium, apparently. Now, there is a bit of a debate about this, but I think we've got enough going on with Brexit that we don't need to actually get into <laughs> the actual meaning of salt and its relation to the salary. But I guess the, 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 what I'm trying to get across is that and we, it's, hard to, it's hard to think about it in our culture because salt, you can just go into the shop and buy it. It's ready, readily available. I don't buy a lot of salt, but I imagine it's fairly affordable. And we use it all the time. It's a part of our daily life. But in biblical times, it was a valuable thing. And what Jesus is saying on the outset to his disciples, you are valuable. Friends, you are valuable. I can't actually emphasize this point enough. You are valuable. How do I know you're valuable? Because, because the God of heaven came to earth for you. And I always kind of, when I, I think maybe always, but I always tend to talk about Philippians 2, but it's such an amazing um, chapter where it says that God, that, that Jesus didn't account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing for us. The God of heaven made himself nothing for us, went to death for us. It wasn't even just like a normal death, yeah? A terrible, humiliating death. God of heaven, people, gave up his life for us, was separated for us, did business with the devil for us, and was risen again and ascended back into heaven for us because he loves us, because you are valuable. You are valuable. Don't let the story of Easter just pass you by. Again, 
something that we say all the time, isn't it? Christmas time, don't let the story, but we say it for a reason. Because it's truth. And it should resonate in us that we are valuable because of Jesus, because of everything he's done for us. Because it is, it's an amazing turnaround. It's an amazing story. Salt also adds seasoning and accentuates flavor. It brings out the flavor of your food, doesn't it? Oh, we pinched the felt tips from the kids' club. Sorry. Do you bring out the flavor in your relationships? What flavor do you bring out in your relationships? Maybe that's a, or your friendships. It's hard. No one's expecting anyone to be 100% consistent with their evangelism all the time or perhaps even their theology from time to time. But actually, as salty people, we should have salty personalities drawing out the best flavors in our, in, in our friendships and in the people around us. Are we doing that? Are we bringing out the flavor? What does it mean to bring out the flavor in our relationships? It means blessing. It means honoring. It means encouraging, loving words of compassion and hope to people who need it. That's what it means to be salty in your relationship, draw out blessing. If we're called to make a difference in the society around us, this has got to be the way of doing it. Uh, Proverbs 16.24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Just say that again. Proverbs 16.24. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. When you are saying good words to people, it is healing them. It is bringing about a change in them. It's a honeycomb. It's sweet. It's bringing out the best in people. And we are in a situation now where I feel like we need a bit of that in our society. I think we're losing the language of compassion in our society. I don't want to get really political and all the rest of it, but I think austerity has a little bit to do with that. I think the way that we look at um, that homeless people and and, and people on benefits, I think those things need to be challenged. I think we actually need to bless those people. I think it's a challenge to us as the church to remain gracious towards those people, to be like Jesus in those situations. Because Jesus wouldn't necessarily stand there and, and, and condemn them. In Luke 7, there's... there's, there's, um, there's a story of uh, a woman who comes in and Jesus is, eat I think he's eating with some Pharisees and um, she, she comes in and she starts washing his feet and the Pharisees are saying, do you know this woman? Actually, she's a real sinner. Um, you know, do you really want her to be doing this? And Jesus is saying, no, it's a good thing that she does this. And, and he says that her sins are forgiven. And there's the story of Zacchaeus where the whole community is kind of, against Zacchaeus, and Jesus is the one who comes in and points him out and says, Zacchaeus, I want to spend some time with you, my friend. We need to be like that. 
people who perhaps the whole are locally are are on the fringes who don't have a voice actually we need to stand up and be that voice for them bless them for them care for them in the way that we speak about them but also how we speak about them towards other people as well salt is a preservative this is an obvious one i did actually know this one unlike the Roman soldier um we've been called to be faithful to the truth Salt was valuable because it kept other food from going bad. Yeah, so it stopped it from getting spoiled or other things growing on it and that sort of thing. So it was able to be eaten later on. And in the same way, we are to be protectors and guardians of the truth here on earth right now. And even with the most kind of obvious truths, being challenged in our society, such as gender and sexuality and the kind of media notion of fake news and alternative facts. Truth matters more than ever. And this is nothing new. We've been talking, the church has actually been talking about this for some time with the rising kind of notion, the philosophical notion of postmodernism and and things we've been saying truth is being challenged here and it's not that we're afraid of truth being challenged i don't believe that the bible i don't is it shouldn't be scrutinized we can't just be challenging it all the time and learning from it and and challenging our own beliefs but this has to be our benchmark at all times this is the truth but we're at a place now where it is normal for someone to say that they are something that they are not, and it is normal, and it is okay. That's how skewed our notion of, of truth is. It's reduced to whatever you think, or worse, whatever you feel it might be. We are called to be preservers of this truth, to be guardians of this truth. Here on earth, right now, we are, we're not even called, we are called, but we are, we are the guardians. We are the ones who have been chosen, yeah, called out to be protectors and guardians of this truth. Our final authority in all things, it's not man, it's not Mick, sorry, Mick. Pick on, I don't mean to pick on you there, but you know, it's like, really? <laughs> it's not media, it's not what's trending, it's not peers, it's not even our thoughts and how you know the most profound they can be. Our thoughts, it is not our final authority. Our final authority has to be scripture. In Wayne Grudem's words he says god's words are the ultimate standard of truth it is the ultimate standard of truth whether you completely agree with that today or not we can have that conversation but i'm telling you it's the ultimate standard of truth 
And Grudem argues that it's not even like it's on a it's on a scale of like what's true and what's untrue. The Bible is just truth. There is no movement there. It's not on a scale. It's on a scale of its own. It's above all things. It stands above all things. No matter what you think or feel about it, it is true. So let's move on. So we've, we've done all the lovely things now, everyone. You are valuable. Yeah. You are blessed and you are to be a blessing. You, are, you bless people around you because you are salty. Here's the challenge. If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Kingdom people, or the church, we, ourselves, should be so salty and being a source of such a a large source of blessing, hope, truth, flavouring our communities that we're in, so much so that if we were taken away the whole community would go, oh, we missed that. That's a shame that's gone. We should be affecting our, our, our local community in such a way, we should be salting it, accentuating the flavours so much that if we were taken away, we would be missed. You personally, in your relationships, in your families, should be so salty that if you were taken away, they'd miss you. It is like going out for a meal with my kids. <laughs> because you could, you could take them anywhere, wherever you go. We could be eating in the Ritz and the food just be so delicious. And yet, if there isn't mayonnaise, I'm afraid this isn't a salt-associated anecdote, everyone. <laughs> we don't do a lot of salt, which, yeah. <laughs> but it's mayonnaise-related. But you, could, you, you can have the most delicious meal in front of them, and if they don't have mayonnaise, the whole meal is ruined. It's like, you could literally... And, and there's tears. It's like, you know, you've got to try and explain to someone who's been cooking there for ages. Can we just have some mayonnaise? We just want to just put everything in the mayonnaise and it's spread about everything so swap mayonnaise for salt and that's what we should be like all those packets of crisps that that you used to get you probably still get them the smith's ones when you open them up and you'd shake your own salt yeah thank you so did you ever try it without the salt Ugh. it was just like dry crispy i say the crisps on the packet but just dry, potatoey, just horrible. You pull the salt in, and it's like, this is amazing. What a change. And that's, again, that's a great picture of what we should be like. Yeah? We should be adding the taste. We should be adding the flavor. If we're not there, we should be missed. If the church, if we're not salty, so if, if the church is no longer salty, it is a social club. 
In, in this part of scripture, it says that we will be no good if we're not salty. We may as well be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. It's no longer useful to the increase of the kingdom of God. I'm so grateful that, that I get an opportunity to do the to be a part of the youth club here with Gary. And we've we've had so much favor in terms of uh, funding and relationship building with, with people across the town about it. Lots of interest. And I, I really believe that it's God's favor, God's grace towards us that you know he wants this to happen. Yeah. But our goal isn't to be a youth center. If we, we want to share the kingdom, we want to share kingdom values. We want to see lives transformed through the power of Christ's death and resurrection. We want to preserve the truth and pass it on to the next generation. If, if, if there wasn't that blessing and favor, I truly think we would probably just do something different. Because we are not about a youth center. We're about the kingdom purpose and we feel god's that's clearly blessing it so let's let's go after it but if he wasn't we'd do something else because that's what it's about our lives our personal lives shouldn't just be salty on a sunday and bland throughout the rest of the week because otherwise what use are we if we are not a blessing in those situations, if we're willing to accept Christ into our lives, if we're willing to be a part of a body of Christ, and yet we have no other resemblance to this throughout the week, we may as well, what we're basically saying, you can trample all over the work of Christ. That's what it's like. It's like throwing it out and let people walk all over it. I truly believe that. It's okay, because you are the light of the world. Notice again, you are the light of the world. There's no embers amongst us. There's no sort of, we'll just rubber sticks together and hope there's some smoke and some fire. You are the light of the world. If you're in Christ today, you are the light of the world. And I don't usually do this when I preach, but particularly after the word that, that Pauline brought, I'm really encouraged to do this. If there is someone or people here who's sitting here listening to this thinking, yeah, 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 I've heard it before, or perhaps there's, there's something in your mind is telling you, you are not the light of the world, that you are not a blessing. I tell you, you are, that, that is a lie. And you can go because the truth is, the authoritative word of God is, you are salt and light. I tell you, you are salt and light. And there's such an obvious contrast between light and darkness. But it's not really worth going into it too much. We all know the difference between light and dark. Except to say, obviously, we're not talking about daytime and nighttime. We're talking about spiritual darkness, which is slightly different. And if it, so Paul says in Ephesians 5, verse 8, 
Paul's given instructions for holy living, he says this. For at one time you were darkness. That's not to say you were evil. That's not to say you were like shrouded in mystery with a cloak on or anything like this. But you were, you were spiritually dark. You were unaware of God. You were unaware of spiritual things at some point in your life. But now you are, the, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The light in my Bible, the footnotes in my Bible on Matthew 5 says, the light is, is the living testimony that's in us. This res- Jesus said, you are the light. He said it to his disciples. You are a living testimony of, things that are, of, of the things that are going on. In the same way, friends, we are a living testimony. We're a living testimony of God's grace. His character, the word of God, the kingdom of God, we are his children. So let's put it on a stand, shall we? A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In biblical times, if you lit a lamp, you'd put it in, on a stand in the corner of the house so that it'd give the best chance to light a room or the whole house. We have this gift, this living testimony. So my final point, although I haven't really stuck to points at all, <laughs> Lucky if you find any points here. <laughs> Just the ramblings of no, no, no. <laughs> what was that all about? Um, my final point is be wise. I find it it is interesting that that this whole concept of being salt and light and all you know being valuable and a blessing and all the things that God's called you to be is also linked with works. Because it could easily be, let's just go out and get busy, people. Let's just go, go, go. I don't think it's necessarily saying that. Be salty in your relationships. Be light with each other and with people in the community. Be involved in good works that will extend the kingdom and preserve the truth. But behind all this, work to bless not to impress. See what I did there. (laughs) Good works are those that bless. They will bless you. They will bless others around you. They will be salty. And ultimately, give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Works are actions that impress, but at times they may seem good. They're often motivated by selfish pride, and they may not lead to giving God the glory. I know the difference in me when I'm trying to impress someone and when I'm trying to bless someone. The whole motivation is different. And I have to confess, this is a personal challenge for me all the time. 
Um, I am often strongly motivated to impress others, but it leads to extreme highs and extreme lows depending on the outcome. Feels great when it goes well, absolutely fantastic. Feels horrible when it doesn't. I'm so shameful. I'm just the worst, the worst person. So you have this like, be wise where you put it, because I know that when I'm in a place of blessing others, actually, I'm focused. My outcome is glorifying God. And there, I already know I'm ticking boxes. Thank God. Thank you, Lord. You know? And I'm blessed through the process. I'm encouraged. So just as a lamp has to be wisely placed to light a house, I'd encourage you to place yourself where you are bringing light. You're producing good works that are in line with who you are, valuable, a blessing to society, filled with truth and a living testimony of the living God. Amen.